what's happening? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Thursday, June the 15th, 2023. It's episode 161 of the pod. However you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, InTheMoneyPodcast.com. You can also listen along over on YouTube. Search bar Matt Bernie, your show. You'll get this episode along with the 160 prior. And as always, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Make sure the bell icon's lit up so you get notified when new content has been uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. Um, all that jazz. I, I did notice there was uh, there have been a handful of commenters over the past few shows anyway that have been sort of opining and wondering you know why are you not doing any kind of visuals anymore? You know, I, I at the very beginning of the year I kind of brought it up with the uncertainty of where I will be and when I will be in certain spots uh, when the show is recorded. I just don't want to depend on having to send over a file, a video file that I can't guarantee is going to get there in time. So it's strictly audio. It's not a matter of not wanting to do video. It's just I, I can't I can't bank on that working in some of these places that I may or may not be whenever I'm recording. So that's why the video element of the show has come and gone. Um, I will, you know, occasionally when I'm part of Horse Players Happy Hour, whether it be live or I've taped something, that's purely because we've kind of planned accordingly. Uh, but as far as this show is concerned, I just can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to upload files, get them sent where they need to be sent, and then have it all kind of turned around. Audio-wise, there's no concern about any of that sort of stuff. So that's why, for those that have wondered, and maybe you missed it at the beginning of the year or you're new to the show, um, that's why there's no longer any video over on YouTube. This week's show, I brought it up at the tail end of last week's episode that... This would be a very brief look back at this past week at Belmont Park. I'm not going to do the soup to nuts. You can find that many places, including the Players Pod, where Pete and JK and Nick Tamaro were on, and they've kind of dissected everything. For me, it's more a matter of it was a spectacular day of racing purely as far as performances are concerned from good horses. And I've grown to appreciate that from a wagering standpoint. You know, did it leave a bit to be desired? I voiced that in my concern when I went over the pick six last week that I thought it could be pretty formful. And with the exception of Archangelo, I mean, it was it was a parade of favorites for the most part. So, you know, I, I get it. If you're just a diehard gambler, maybe last weekend's races at Belmont weren't for you. For me, I just love seeing great performances from really quality animals. And whether it be Archangelo in the big one, whether it be up to the mark on the turf or Cody's Wish or in Italian, or Caravel, uh, or Arabian Lion. I mean, you name it. And even some of the horses that didn't win ran giant races. So I thought it was a great day of racing at Belmont Park last Saturday, and I'm looking forward to seeing where everyone goes from here. You know, you're starting to hear whispers about certain races that these horses could target. So at the very least, it's going to be an exciting summer in many of the marquee divisions across the board. But I did tease that this week, I wanted to, because it's a little bit quiet on the racing side of things, I know we've got a big weekend coming up down at Monmouth Park, I'm headed down there this afternoon a little bit later on, uh, headed to Boston anyway to get out of there, looking at Haskell Preview Day, and we've got big names 
entered in some of these races on Saturday. Knockwood, the weather cooperates. It looks like it's a bit dodgy for both Friday and Saturday. You can find all the coverage this weekend over on FanDuel TV. I'll be down there with Larry Colmus on the Jersey Shore. But I teased last week that I was going to do a bit of a deeper dive into my results as far as picks that I have given out on the website, tvg.com, FanDuel Racing, FanDuel Sportsbook, the TVG app, however you have been able to find my selections since my first day with FanDuel TV is sort of round two full-time as opposed to what we were doing before. Um, I've gone through and tracked them all, and I updated after last week. So we've got a sample size of 542 races spanning how many different racetracks? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So 13 different racetracks. Some have many more selections than others do. Um, Some have a variety of racing surfaces. Some, just because that's all they have, don't. Uh, But I want to kind of go through and give you the the sort of soup to nuts. And this may be a bit of a dense pod. Maybe some people will find this incredibly boring because there's no real handicapping. But I think this is something that you at home can do to better get an understanding of actually where your strengths and weaknesses lie. Because I've talked about it before. So many people have talked about it. Stick to what you know best. Stick to where your results are. But I think a lot of people may have sort of the misconception of what they're actually good at or what they're actually not good at. And the data may not back that up, for better or for worse. So I've gone through, I have all the races from the different tracks, and I have it broken down by average odds, the actual total of races at each track, the number of winners, the number of horses that have hit the board, the return on the win end, the return on the win place show end, translated into percentages for both the win percentage, the in the money percentage, the win ROI, the in the money ROI, and then broken down by race configuration, dirt route, dirt sprint, synthetic route, synthetic sprint, turf route, turf sprint. Then I've gone through and broken it down, the win percentage, the in the money percentage, the win ROI, the in the money ROI for each one of those subcategories. So let's just start with the racetracks. And some of you will get a good kick out of this. Actually, let's start with the the overall, the sort of the most broad numbers that there are. I brought up, um, if you look at the, think of takeout in that, I mean, certain tracks are different than others. Let's ballpark it between, what, 16 and 20. Let's call it 18% for whips takeout, win place show takeout. Um, for a dollar, that would effectively equate to 82 cents on the dollar would be the takeout part. Uh, currently my win ROI is 176 for a $2 wager. It's 85 cents for a $1 play. So the logic there is I'm down about 15%. So I'm, I'm slightly ahead of the takeout, but not by much. Um, and, and this is a combination of this exercise is for transparency, but also, again, the idea that maybe tracking these things on your own can help you become a better gambler. Straightforward. Uh, 
the average odds of the horses that I have given out of these 542 races, these 542 selections, the average odds are 5.75 to 1. So just under 6 to 1 shot that I've, that's the average as far as the odds are, the off odds are concerned. Um, that equates to an expected win rate of 17.4%. Now, clearly, a in that sample, I've got 20 to 1 shots and I've got 2 to 5 shots. So not all of these, it's difficult to just paint with a broad brush and say that each one of these horses is a, a equally likely result. But if you just averaged it out, the average is coming to 17.4% expected win rate. My win rate right now is 19.6%. My in the money percentage is 50.2%. So of the 542 races, just over half of them have hit the board at varying prices. The win ROI is $1.71. The in the money ROI, win play show ROI is 1.65, $1.65. So close to what I was just kind of talking about as far as if you're breaking it down take your 18 percent if you did that twice over you'd be looking at about a dollar 64 somewhere thereabouts um, and my in the money ROI right now would be a dollar 65 so there's the first thing that you can glean okay the win ROI is larger by six cents than the in the money ROI it's part of the reason you hear people say don't wager or don't waste your capital on place wagering and show wagering. Again, painting with a broad brush there because there are always opportunities or potential opportunities in those pools. You can go through, it's a little more difficult and a little more, you know, there's a little more legwork that goes into it, but you can determine if a horse is actually value in a place pool compared to your thoughts of how likely they are to run in the top two. You can do the same with the show pool. So I wouldn't just completely, you know, across the board say, pun intended, um, that betting place and show is bad. I don't think that's accurate. And I know some folks, you know, you you can't, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Who am I to tell you what to do with your money? Bet it however you'd like. All I'm trying to do here is offer up some data points from a reasonable sample and do with it what you will. Long-term, is betting place and show going to win or net you out positive? It's possible. Again, there's, there's more legwork that goes into it, and you need to figure out, is there inherent value in this place wager? Uh, you know, it all depends how much work you're willing to put into it, but... From 30,000 feet, the win ROI is slightly better than the in-the-money ROI is by $0.06. Cents. Okay. And I say $0.06. Cents, that's on $2, so about $0.03 cents, um, for a dollar. Let's go track by track now. So we, we got the, the, the broad pieces out of the way. I'll give you track by track my win percentages and my in-the-money percentages. I won't go based on – well, I guess we can. Again, this would be a very dense pod. I'm sure some folks are going to hate this, but bear with me. In alphabetical order, and you're going to note that some of these tracks have much larger samples than others. Aqueduct, okay? I have given out selections for 11 races. How's this for a start? 11 races. The average price of the 11 horses is 5.7 to 1, so very much on par with the 5.7 to 5 to 1 
for the entire sample. Of the 11 horses I've given out, not one winner and only one horse has hit the board. <laughs> so Aqueduct, not great. Not great. Not great. But a sample of 11. So, you know, do with that what you will. Uh, Belmont Park, nine selections. They all came last weekend. Three winners, six horses hitting the board. A win ROI of $1.92 for on a $2 bet. All of these ROIs are going to be on $2 bets. Um, so, you know, decent shape there. The win play show, $6.43. And keeping in mind, that is actually based on $6 because you have got three $2 wagers. So it's slightly ahead, but when you break it down sort of in your traditional $2 methodology, that would come out to a $2.14 ROI. Okay, so ahead up about 7% on the in-the-money wagering, the win-play show wagering at Belmont Park through nine. That's largely because a horse like Drew's Gold doesn't win, but he finishes second, so you get the place in the show money there, and so on and so forth. That's kind of how that works out, where sometimes you can actually have a better in-the-money ROI than you do, or I should say win-play show ROI, than you do on the win end. Um, the dirt route numbers for me at Belmont Park, a sample of four, two winners. Obviously, those two winners also happen to be the two horses that I have that hit the board. Um, and I guess I won't do all this for all these horses, but or all these tracks, rather. But um, to give you the idea of the breakdown, the average odds of the dirt routers that I selected, 4.64 to 1. The average price of the dirt sprinters, I have a sample of two. So, again, really not much to glean there. 5 to 1, turf routers, sample of 2, 1.05 to 1, with one of those being a winner, up to the mark, who brings that price way down. And the turf sprinters, a sample of 1, who hit the board, 4.31, uh, excuse me, 4.3 to 1, that was Big Invasion, uh, who finished second. So that's a $3 return on investment in a win place show scenario, zero on the win end because he didn't win the race. Hopefully all this makes sense. Uh, Churchill Downs, a sample of 35 selections. The average odds were 4 to 1. Uh, eight winners, 20 horses to hit the board. The win ROI is $1.37. The win play show ROI is $1.54. So 22.9% win rate, 57.1% in the money rate. Uh, when you break it down a little bit more, and this is going to become a bit of a trend, the dirt routers... I was 1 for 13 as far as winners are concerned. The Dirt Sprinters, 3 for 11. Okay, so that's interesting to note. Big difference there, 7.7% versus 27.3%. But then compare that to the turf numbers, okay? Sample of 7 turf routers, 3 winners. Sample of 4 turf sprinters, 1 winner. So the turf route win percentage is 42.9%, and the turf sprint win percentage is 25%. Um, the biggest takeaway and the common theme and thread for this entire piece, for all of my data, is the turf routes, which I've said a million times are my favorite races. The turf routes are my bread and butter. If you are a professional gambler, which I am not, but if you were and you saw the data that I have in front of me, and I will lean into this more, I should only be betting turf routes. Because those are really the only races that I'm coming out net positive forget about beat the takeout we are over two dollars 
on all wagers with the turf routes. But when you really only lean into those races, then, you know, think of, uh, I'll think of Monmouth Park, right? We had a day last week, I believe there were three turf sprints, there were no turf routes. So effectively, I would have no wagers, no action. And I get it. If you're thinking long-term, bigger picture, you know, you're supposed to just lean into those sort of things. My advice would be if you are someone like me where there is a stark contrast in my success with turf routes really versus everything else is make your meaningful bets in those areas of strength. If you want to have a little bit of funny money, I am not somebody that's going to sit here and shit on that idea. I think it's stupid for people, again, to tell others what to do with their money. It's your money. Do with it what you want. If you want to pay for picks from someone, if you want to, you know, if you've got a bankroll of $1,000 and you want to bet it all on one horse and one race, do whatever you want. Or you want to bet $1 on a thousand different horses and do whatever you want. It's your money. The numbers I have in front of me would suggest that my only real significant wagers should be long-term anyway on turf routes. But then again, there are other instances and other opportunities that present themselves with some of these other sort of groupings. Uh, fairgrounds, Overall, a sample of 40. The average price of the horses was 6.12 to 1. 20% uh, winners, 55% in the money. 182 win ROI, 201 in the money ROI. The big takeaway there, uh, the turf numbers were very, very poor. You know, possibly a combination of a, a bizarre turf course down there or could just simply be a not a big sample, A, but B, bad opinions. That's entirely possible as well. Um, did very well with dirt sprints down there. Oddly enough, only had one winner. Or excuse me, uh, two winners from 13 dirt sprinters at the fairgrounds. So the win rate's only 15.4%, but the ROI is $2.05, and the in-the-money ROI is $2.12. Uh, Golden Gate Fields, sample of 18 had a win percentage of 16.7% in the money percentage of 61.1, win ROI of 0 0.97, 97 cents. Uh, so not great there. In the money, $1.67. You know, you could look at that a few different ways and just chalk it up to a bit unlucky. You know, off the top of my head, I, I know specifically the last race of the last day that I was there, I had a sprinter. We had already left. We were off air. I had a sprinter that got snapped at the wire at I think twelve to one, so all and I mean genuinely lost by a nose. So that's one of those where if all of a sudden that horse wins, those numbers look extremely different than they look right now, which is always something to keep in mind when you're dealing with small sample sizes or smaller sample sizes. Gulfstream Park, uh, sample of one hundred eighty-five selections. The win rate was 16.8%. The win RI was $1.63. So again, goes back to basically the takeout we were down. Uh, the in-the-money percentage was 47.6%. The in-the-money ROI was $1.59. So about 2% less on the ROI on the win play show wagers compared to just the straight win wagers. Um, the big takeaways, my dirt route numbers were really bad. Uh, one for 17 
11 of them hit the board though so you could look at that as a combination of you know maybe not great ideas but also a bit unlucky um the interesting thing for me to note my turf numbers and my synthetic route numbers were pretty solid and not specifically win percentages but the ROIs which really at the end of the day is all that matters um, the synthetic routes, I was only three for 21, so 14.3%, but the ROI was $2.12, which goes to show that you, my, that to me kind of sums up what I've tried to preach for, for many years now. The idea that, you know, so many people get stuck into win rate. How, how many winners do you pick? I won't, I won't name names, but I have had people that I've worked with in the past, in the past. That may not be all in on horse racing. Maybe they're focused on other areas. And they were so set on, do you pick 40% winners? I said, 40%, like, first things first, 40% winners. If you pick the favorite in every race, you're not going to pick 40% winners. Or you'll you get close to it. I don't know what the, the updated number is, 38% or whatever it is. That, that you are guaranteed to lose that way. Guaranteed. Blind bet the favorite in every race, you will end up a loser. Yes, you will have more winning tickets than I do, but I, I'm going to have a much better chance to break even or net a profit than you are doing that. And this kind of illustrates that point. Three for 21. And some, some folks have brought up in the past, oh, you know what? Of course, you're occasionally going to get lucky. If you want to call it whatever you want, if you want to call it luck, that's entirely up to you. I'm, I'm not trying to, to fight that kind of a, a fight. But purely on math, you have to understand that, that, that it actually works that way, right? That if you just continue to grind, grind, grind with the chalk, it's impossible to come out ahead because the prices are going to be too short when you factor in the takeout, you're never going to get ahead. I at least have a puncher's chance with the prices that I'm picking that if I'm right, which by the way, so of the 21 selections for the synthetic routers, the average win odds were 7.51 to 1. So I, I'm sure I probably only connected with one of them. And now we've got a, a net positive. We're ahead. We're 6% to the good things to keep in mind uh the turf numbers the turf routers uh sample of 62 had 13 winners so 21 percent 27 of them hitting the board so a little bit lower than i would have expected if the win rate is 21 i would have thought that'd be closer to low 50s low to mid 50s 54 53 55 somewhere thereabouts um the two dollar roi on the win end was a dollar 97 so effectively basically break even pretty damn close to it uh, but the in the money ROI dollar 75 so there's another illustration or another example of you're not necessarily going to end up in a better position knowing that you've got a lot more capital you need to bet more effectively two more units or however you'd like to phrase it if we're looking at the two dollar bet one unit would be two dollar win bet you need three units for a $2 win play show bet. Uh, Keeneland. This is where 
I mean, I I miss Keeneland. <laughs> um, sample size of 77, with the average odds being 7.02 to 1. Uh, the win rate is 28.6%. The in-the-money rate is 59.7%. The $2 win ROI is $3.50. The $2 in-the-money rate or win play show ROI is $2.60. So about 30% to the good on the win play show side of things. But holy smokes, I mean, we are, uh, what is that off the top of my head? That's got to be... Yeah, I mean, almost 58% to the good on the win side of things. Um, yeah, Keeneland was Keeneland was the bread and butter for me. And the, the selections, not only were the prices right, but again, going back to the idea of the overarching theme for me with my selections and my strengths, um, the, the dirt routers were good. 27.8% winners with a 399 ROI that, you know, I mean, any other point, I'm thrilled with that. Dirt Sprinters, 25.9% win rate, $2 break-even ROI. But the I only had a sample of three with the Turf Sprinters, but the Turf Routers, I mean, that's where it was. Nine for 29, that's 31% with a 465 ROI. It's, it's crystal clear when you go through and look at all of my numbers where my strengths lie and where my weaknesses are which makes the Monmouth numbers to this point that much more bizarre, to me anyway. Uh, average price, 4.18 to 1, sample of 58 through last weekend. Uh, right now, 24.1% winners, 53.4% in the money, $1.61 win ROI, $1.44 win play show ROI. The dirt routers, though, I'm 5 for 12, so 41.7% with a 238 ROI on the win end. Turf routers, 1 for 12. 8.3% with a 77 cent ROI on a $2 win wager. Uh, it, it It's effectively the complete opposite of what all the other data would suggest. So, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I just, I don't have a, I mean, I've been keeping a track profile and, you know, I've had five of them hit the board. So, I mean, all, all around the turf route numbers for me at Monmouth are a little bit subpar compared to what I would expect. But, um, it's just, it also goes to show certain tracks. Maybe you've got a better feel for than others. And those things will ebb and flow. They'll come and go. So all things to consider. Oaklawn Park, without question, without question, my worst area. And I, I knew that anecdotally, but the data backs it up. Specifically in one area. The average price, 6.45 to 1, a sample of 59. The win percentage is 13.6. The $2 win ROI is 86 cents. Not good. You want it to you want a devastating number. Dirt route versus dirt sprint. Dirt sprinters actually wasn't terrible. 21.2% with a dollar forty ROI. Doesn't again, I'm looking for minor victories at Oakland Park. Dirt routes, shockingly bad. One for twenty-six. 3.8%, only five of them hit the board, 19.2%. I mean, like, fucking impossibly bad. 18-cent ROI on a $2 win bet. I don't know what it is about Oaklawn, but holy smokes. Like, the numbers are the numbers. Can't dispute that. Pimlico, uh, three for 11, small samples, 
nothing really to get too crazy about there. Really, the rest of the way, small sample. Santa Anita, uh, five for twenty-one, a dollar fifty ROI. Um, the turf numbers there too, interestingly enough, zero uh, for six, uh, and not one of them hit the board. Uh, Tampa Bay Downs, one for sixteen, but eleven of them hit the board. So I'm chalking that up to being a bit on the unlucky side. I mean, when you've got almost seventy percent hitting the board and you only get one of them to win, you know. That, to me, is just a bit unlucky. And then Turfway Park, I only had two picks. So all in all, that nets out to 542 picks. The average price is 5.75 to 1. 106 winners, 272 horses hit the board. $1.71 ROI on the win end, $1.64 ROI on the win play show end. I would brought up that uh, I'll sort of button things up with it broken down by configuration. Dirt routes, sample of 132. The win percentage, 17.4%, with a win ROI of $1.36. 49.2% in the money, with a 136 ROI there. Dirt sprints, sample of 172, which no surprise is very clearly the largest sample because that's what we run the most here in the United States. 21.5% winners with a $1.64 ROI. So again, slightly down the takeout, but, you know, not a disaster from a sample of 172. Uh, in the money percentage, 54.7% with an in the money ROI. Interestingly, of $1.65. Synthetic routes, 12.9% from a sample of 31. $1.66 win ROI. 38.7% uh, in the money with $1.40 ROI there. Synthetic sprints. 43 is the sample, 14% winners with $1.45 ROI on $2, 51.2% in the money with a 176 ROI there. So again, a little interesting that the in the place, uh, in the place, win play show ROI is significantly better than the win ROI in the synthetic sprints, despite the fact that um, you're having to put up more for place and show. So I'm looking at that saying, well, maybe we're a little unlucky that we didn't get more of those home. Uh, turf sprints, you know, the numbers aren't really as bad as I've always kind of made them out to be. Sample of 31, so it's a small number. 19.4%, $1.51 ROI, 45.2% uh, uh, in the money percentage with a 138 ROI there. But then again, the, the bread and butter, turf routes. A sample of 133, 22.6% winners with a 2.29 ROI. $2.29, we're up about almost 15% there. And the in-the-money ROI is $2.01 for $2 wagers, 48.9% in the money. So that's a, a look at my numbers for all of the published picks that have gone out. Um, and they're picks that you can bet along with over on the TVG app, tvg.com, FanDuel Racing, FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, and I think it goes without saying, and I try to articulate it, that these some of these picks I like much more than others, as all of you will have when you go through and you handicap a card. Just because you like a horse, it's, it's the same concept, with, and it's part of the reason that you have to, or you should, use sort of the ABC method or you know mains and backups or however you want to break it down with multi-race bets, the likelihood of you liking, say there's four horses that you are using in a sequence or in a, a race in a sequence, the likelihood of you liking all four of them equally is very slim. 
more likely than not, you like this horse this much more than this one, than this one, and then this one. So for me, this is not a reflection of my wagering either. And I think that's something that also needs to be factored in. If I were those of you at home, you're not needing to, you're not putting out content the way that I am. I would only track your win wagers or whatever. I shouldn't say that. Let me rephrase that. You should only track the horses you are betting on. Okay. So let's say you are tailing me on Friday at Monmouth and I, I give out eight picks. And of those eight, you only really agree with three of them. Okay. Only track those three. Only track the three that you actually put your money on. Don't worry about the rest of your picks because you're not a you're not a public facing handicapper, most of you anyway. If you are, go right ahead. But if if you're, you know, you know, Kim at home and she's watching whatever, she's watching us on a Saturday afternoon at Monmouth, you know, you're not obligated to sit there and, and make let me track all twelve of my picks more power to you if you want i think as far as the value to you the handicapper at home just track the horses they actually bet on i'm tracking everything i put out i would suggest you just kind of track the horses that you bet on and kind of go from there so you have it i hope this was not uh as interesting as watching paint dry um it, it's a interesting exercise for me i always like to just go through and keep eyes on you know where things are going well where things are going poorly um, I've also noticed too, I mean, I, I kind of knew this all along, but I am extremely streaky. I have multiple streaks of, you know, consecutive, I can go through, I mean, this is a streak of 12 in a row without a winner. This is a streak of 17 in a row without a winner. Um, you know, this is a streak of 11 in a row without a winner. And then all of a sudden, We've got, you know, 14, a sample of 14, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 6 for 14 there. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm very streaky. I always have been. I've known that. This is a sample of 15, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. That's 6 for 15. This is a sample of 5. This is 4 for 5. Uh, I mean, it, it just, it kind of is what it is. You're going to have some people are like me that are extremely streaky. Some people are extremely consistent. Um, it just, it's, it's kind of the nature of the beast. It is what it is. You know, this is a sample of 11. There's five. Uh, this is a sample of 18. There's eight. I mean, it just, th there's no real rhyme or reason to it other than also I could go through and I was just kind of eyeballing that. I could go through and then look and see where, the success has come in some of those streaks. You know, part of me wonders, were there a number of turf routes in there compared to a number of synthetic sprints? I don't know. But uh, I just thought this would be a fun exercise to to share. I would do this again if you guys had any interest in this um, again in the future. But I'm not going to do it every week just simply because I want to continue to sort of pad the, uh, the sample size and, and work from there and see how things shake down. Uh, let me know in the comments section beneath the video player on YouTube if, if this was something that you enjoyed. 
Uh, and as always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. And make sure you're following everything that In the Money Media has to offer, including Horse Players Happy Hour, which is back on Thursdays with PTF and JK and many other folks contributing to that. Try to get your seat to the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge. Unfortunately, I can no longer play. I'm ineligible, which is really the only downside to this new position that I have. But it is what it is. Um, everybody's going to make sacrifices. Uh, that's going to do it for me with episode 161 here of the show. Thank you all for listening. It always means a great deal. Um, best of luck however you play this weekend, whatever you play this weekend, wherever you play this weekend. This has been episode 161 of the Matt Burger Show.